Coming up, steaks, spikes, and hot makeup ticks from the 1600s. All that and ever so much more as our season of The Witch rolls on like a horseless carriage with a broken wheel, right here on Kiss the Goat. My name is X. And this is Kiss the Goat. All right, look, we've got some unfinished business to attend to here. As you probably know, we covered Rob Zombie's The Lords of Salem on the last episode. I did my level best to defend the movie, while Cootie did her best to stomp it a new mud hole. And then we asked our listeners to vote for who had the best argument. We set up a poll on our Facebook group page, kept it open for a week, and we are pleased to present the final results. Man, you guys were extremely vocal about your love and or hate of this movie, and we'd like to thank you for getting so involved with it and for supporting the show like you do. (laughs) Tell them who won. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to the show and cast your votes and... Tell them who won. And we are now delighted to present the results of the poll... Tell them who won! I'm telling them! Jesus! Relax! (laughs) It's a final tally. I received eight votes. Mm -hmm. And Cootie received ten votes. I won the poll! Again, thank you for... I won! Me, 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 me. (laughs) Thank you for playing along with our little game. They like me better than they like you. Everyone hates you, Rob. I'm sure we'll do something like this again in the future. I won. Suck it. Me. I won. I know you won. I know. You won (laughs) by two whole points. It was close. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, dudes. I won. My cuisine reigns supreme. Jesus, she's just going to run this whole damn episode. Look, we'll be back after this commercial break. Loser. (laughs) Really? Hugh loves horror movies. I like them cheesy. I like them gritty. I like them campy. I love them all. He married Christy. She hates them. I think they're senseless and upsetting. Listen in as Hugh searches through shelves of DVDs, VHS, and Blu-ray. There are too many of these movies on the shelves. We need to just start getting rid of them. In his never-ending quest to convert his lovely wife to the dark side. <laughs> Come to the dark side. In Christy Christie's Banana Laser Promo, take one. Hey guys, it's Wazell and Z here. Yeah, we're just uh, kicking back in the laser lounge right now, taking a break from uh, what we normally do to tell you all about our show, Banana Laser. Uh,. We're just here for sick fucks like ourselves that love horror movies and just, yeah, fuck. The Banana Laser Podcast, it's 
Yeah, every time. <laughs> 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 oh, why? And, um, you know, it's for sick fucks like ourselves. <laughs> so if you like salty commentary. <laughs> <laughs> and skewed views. Foul mouth skewed views. And look, uh, we're terrible at this. I'm fucked up too. I, I, we I, are I, terrible. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Here, I'll start over. All right, forget it, fuck it. Uh, you can find Banana Laser at Horophilia.com. Check us out on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter, Banana Laser Show. Look us up on YouTube, Banana Lasers, everywhere, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Look us up so you can join us. Got all about it. Loser. Yeah, well, okay. That's enough of that. Hey, everybody. It's time for Satan in the News. Yeah, and there's terrible news this week coming from London, of all places. NBC News reports that there has been a rise in the number of child abuse cases where the child is accused of being a witch. Most of these cases stem from religious communities who use elements of witchcraft or a belief in spirit possession in their uh, into their Christian belief system. These cases are mostly happening within African families, particularly those of Congolese descent. In one instance, a four-year-old boy was brought in front of his church for playing too roughly with his brother. The pastor informed the family that the boy was a witch possessed by the devil. And that boy was forced to undergo an exorcism that lasted four days in which he was denied food, forced to drink hot palm oil, and prevented from using the bathroom. This fear of witches in the home has led to at least two homicides in the London area. An eight-year-old girl was killed by her guardians, who claimed she was possessed by a demon, by burning her with cigarettes and forcing her to sleep in a sealed garbage bag in the bathtub until she died. And then another child, a 15-year-old boy, was drowned in the bathtub by his Congolese sister and her boyfriend because they thought he was possessed. Um, there, there's, there are no jokes here. Mm. This story is depressing as hell. But when we first envisioned what this podcast would be, we knew that we were going to have to touch on some difficult issues just because of our subject matter and the abuse of children regardless of what a person's belief system is, is untenable. And these stories have to be told, even if it's just on a little show like ours. So if you'd like more information about this growing problem, and especially what you could do to help, please visit vcf-uk.org. Witches are an easy scapegoat to have around, both in real life and in the movies. You know, when you can't find a rational explanation for something that's gone wrong in your life, well, it must be some kind of evil influence. It's the devil. It's a witch. In the movies, though, most of the witches are portrayed as bad, delightfully bad. In a horror movie, some of the best villains are witches. Movie witches have everything you need for a creepy bad guy or girl. 
lots of black clothing. Easy access to fire. A wide range of effective spells. And in most cases, a fantastic knowledge of how to raise a ruckus from beyond the grave. The witches, the witches, the witch in this episode's movie certainly fits all those criteria. Her name is Asa. She's over 200 years old and she's ready to throw down. After the break, we'll talk a little more about Asa and her wicked schemes as we get into Mario Bava's black and white classic from 1960, Black Sunday. Catch you on the flip side. Movies need only three things. Badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know that the female breast known to be the source of life since Eve can be deadly weapons and body counts body count the mathematics of murder and menace the BBNBC podcast discusses lesser known action exploitation and horror cult cinema you can find the show on iTunes Stitcher Smart Radio and SoundCloud by searching for BBNBC podcast you can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com got the goddamn message let's go to work Hi, I'm Mark. And you know what? I'm Mike. And we're the host of the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. We are the only podcast that looks at the films of Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski exclusively on a year-by-year basis. Every episode, we present the news surrounding the world of these two legendary filmmakers. And we also try to speak with the many people involved with the films we discuss. Speaking of films, we generally talk about three to four films per episode by reviewing and rating them. If you want to find out what those films are, visit our website at hollywoodupsidedown.wordpress. You can download our show via iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, by searching for Hollywood Upside Down. So if you're a fan of B-movies and you know you are or you wouldn't be listening to us, chances are you've seen some of the films of Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski. So why don't you join us from episode to episode and relive some of those favorite movie moments. The moments you'll hear on the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. Honestly, the real reason we watch these films is we love watching boobs. We sure do. Lots of large, small, flappy, flapjacky. No, Mike. No, no, no. Very well-endowed, boisterous, giant, jiggly boobs. Those two. Yes. Hey, welcome back to Kiss the Goat. Y'all knew we couldn't get through a special month of witch movies without pulling at least one Italian movie into it. So we grabbed us a classic this time. Since Dracula stalked the earth, has the world known so terrifying a day or night? It's I who renounce you, and in the name of Satan, I place a curse upon you. Black Sunday is like no motion picture you've ever seen. who do not but both must know the suspense the shock of meeting the living dead and of bringing the dead to life 
look into my eyes. Embrace me. You will die. But I can bring you pleasures mortals cannot know. Black Sunday. The most terrifying motion picture you'll ever see. Satan wearing strange robes and fighting with all the furies of Hades arouses the countryside to a frenzy of black terror. Black Sunday is Mario Bava's first film. Well, the first one he got credit for, anyway. Bava, of course, went on to become one of Italy's great horror directors, later gifting the world with such classics as Blood and Black Lace, Twitch of the Death Nerve, and Hatchet for the Honeymoon. It was a different world in 1960, and the violence in this film, tamed by our standards, was considered shocking back then. In fact, Black Sunday was banned in the U.K. until 1968. The movie's U.S. distributor, American International, which was fucking known for putting out some of the sleaziest grindhouse second half of the drive-in bill shit ever made, (laughs) they cut out some of the violence themselves before releasing it here in the States. Wow. Now, Black Sunday is considered a classic, garnering tons of critical acclaim and influencing many films and directors that came after it. That's all well and good, but the real burning question is, did we like it? (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's going to make or break this movie's reputation. You know it. Anyway, Black Sunday begins in the year of our Lord, 1630, in the country of Moldavia. Moldavia is real? Uh Uh-huh, although it's currently known as Moldova. I like Moldavia better. The western portion of it lies in Romania. The eastern part is the Republic of Moldova, and the rest of the country is Ukrainian territory. Is Latvia real? Well, of course Latvia is real. I thought that was the country that Dr. Doom ruled. Well, that's Latveria. But Latveria borders Croatia, Bosnia, and Herzegovina, right? Well, in the comics, yeah. But those are all real places. Why are you confusing this issue? I won the poll. I do what I want. (sighs) (laughs) Fine. Fine. Okay, so the movie takes place in 1630 in Latveria, and it's a boring night, kind of cold, so a bonfire seems like a good idea. And when you're building a bonfire, you want to use the most flammable material you can find, right? And as we've learned this month, there is nothing more flammable than a witch. They go up fast. Whoosh! <laughs> so, two witches are set to be lit up that night. The beautiful Asa and her lover, Javuto. And what's shitty about the whole deal is that Asa and Javuto were turned into into the witch patrol by Asa's brother. They were twins, Asa and Ashole. <laughs> Now, Asa, being a good little bad witch, swears that she will have her revenge, and she puts a curse on all of her brother's descendants. 
The crowd decides that they've had enough of Asa's smart mouth, and they hammer a mask into her face. That mask is wicked, too. It's got spikes on the inside, so when they slam it into her face, blood flies everywhere. It's like the headpiece of an Iron Maiden. Say that again? What, Iron Maiden? That's weird. I thought I heard something, but never mind. So the burning commences, and the people rejoice, but then it starts to rain, a torrential rain, and once again, the Latvian community barbecue is ruined by Mother Nature. So fast forward 200 years, and two men are traveling through Latveria and to a medical convention hosted by Dr. Doom in the capital city of Doomstadt. Their carriage breaks down, and the men get out and explore their surroundings. You know, I'm letting you get away with this, but I just want to verify to our listeners that this is completely... Not right at all. Anyway, the two men are Dr. Kruvajan and his young assistant, Dr. Andre Gorobek. Wait, Dr. Who? Kruvajan. Kevorkian? No, damn it. Kruvajan. It sounds like crustacean to me. Right. Okay. Anyway, uh, the two doctors, they stumble into a tomb. Like you do. And they begin poking around. They discover a coffin with a window in it, and they can actually look in and see the corpse, which is, you know... Kind of like, oh, I don't want to because that's gross, but kind of like, fuck, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> there's even a cross positioned at the foot of the sarcophagus that's positioned so that its shadow falls on the corpse's face through the window. And that's not just any cross either. This sepulcher is guarded by the cross of Lorraine. You know it. You've seen it. It's the two-barred cross with the upper bar being shorter than the bottom one. This particular variation of the holy symbol is also known as the Crusader's Cross, and it was carried into the Crusades by the original Knights Templar. If you don't know what the Crusades were or who the Knights (laughs) Templar were, then you just haven't been paying attention. So go do a Google search, would you? Tell you what, those Knights Templar were some bad mother... Shut your mouth! I'm talking about the Knights Templar. I can dig it. Well, it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. Then it's a party, and this party is started by a gigantic bat, which attacks the men inside the crypt. Probably one of the best fake giant bats (laughs) I've ever seen. It is. That sucker's a honker. (laughs) (laughs) It makes the bat in Suspiria look like a hummingbird. Seriously. So let's talk about this whole scene in the crypt for a little bit, because this kind of sets the stage and the tone for the rest of the movie. <clears throat> so Dr. Crustacean and Assistant Andre, um, they find themselves with a little time on their hands because the vodka-loving driver of their carriage wrecked the carriage and effectively knocked off one of the wheels. Don't even know how he did it. It was like up on a, a like this giant boulder and there was half of a tree laying there. I don't know. Don't drive wagons <laughs> drunk, kids. Exactly. So it's at this point that they decide to go exploring. Um, now, Dr. Kevorkian is a practical man. That's what I've heard. <laughs> he's not very tolerant of superstition or fancy. Mm. So when they get out of the carriage, they hear this spooky, unexplained howling sound, and he decides they should investigate. Right. Well, it turns out, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like an episode of Scooby-Doo. So it turns out the sound was made by wind blowing through the pipes of an old organ that was inside a broken down church that houses Asa the witch's tomb. 
I'm getting mixed messages here. <laughs> you are. I, I mean, why would you bury a witch inside of a church and then leave the pipe organ outside? <laughs> I don't think they know what the fuck they're doing in Moldavia at this point. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, when they find out that it's wind blowing through the pipes through this organ, Dr. Crustacean smashes the pipes with his cane to end the spooky howling. And then he notices the sepulcher. What asshole. Right? So he, <laughs> so he and his sister, oh, he's not done yet. He's not done just with smashing the pipes of the organ. He, he goes on. So he and his sister, Andre, go over to examine the sepulcher. But they're interrupted by their luscious driver who's <laughs> terrified at being left alone and asks for help fixing the carriage. So Assistant Andre runs off to help him, but Dr. Crustacean wants to stay behind to examine this coffin some more. Now, as soon as Assistant Andre exits the church, Dr. Kevorkian is is attacked by this giant bat. I mean, it's huge. Seriously, it's more like a Pomeranian with wings. It's a calf. Actual bat. (laughs) It's a flying calf. I shit you not. So... In his struggle with Batzilla, <laughs> Dr. Kevorkian destroys the cross that stands guard over the body of the witch, and it actually falls over and smashes the window in the coffin. So this all happens before he pulls out his freaking revolver and shoots the bat dead. Seriously, he's like Team America and the crypt is Paris. He just fucking demolished it. It's like a bad game of mousetrap, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, winged mousetrap. <laughs> so then Assistant Andre comes running back in to see what all the commotion was about. And he was like, Dr. Kevorkian, why did you fire? And he told him about the bat. I was attacked by that monster. So anyway, together they decide that it's a good idea to remove the Iron Maiden mask from the witch's corpse. Don't know why. They see that the glass is smashed, and they're like, oh, look, we can do this. So they pull the mask off of her body, and beneath it we see that um, while she's eyeless and covered in scorpions, <laughs> the witch's body has not decayed at all. She just you know, doesn't have any eyes, and she's got scorpions crawling out of the empty cavities. <clears throat> so then the drunken carriage driver calls to them and let them know you know, lets them know that the repairs are complete and they can get the fuck out of there. But before leaving, Assistant Andre decides he's going to take a little souvenir from the witch's tomb. And he picks up a small St. George trifold icon that was tucked in underneath. It's a bit much. <laughs> but honestly, if you can't buy a little bit of synchronicity, you're not going to buy into Black Sunday at all. So you may as well just settle back and get used to it. For example, when the men leave the crypt, you know, Dr. Doctor and the doctor, um, (laughs) they are greeted by a woman named Katya. Now, Assistant Andre instantly falls in love with Katya, and it doesn't hurt that she looks exactly like Asa, because (laughs) that's how genetics works. 200 years of mating but we can still get a carbon copy of a woman who, as far as we know, didn't have any children. Is that remotely possible? I mean, is this like in witch row fertilization? <laughs> how, does, how does this work? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. She even has like the same <laughs> same eyeliner application techniques, doesn't she? She does. Well, and you know what? I don't think eye makeup really changed a lot from the 1600s to the 1800s. Although apparently, having your face repeatedly stung by scorpions. Uh, gives you that kind of puffy-lipped look that was so popular back then <laughs> and continues even unto this day. <laughs> I think if you use enough makeup, you can make it look like you actually still have eyes in your rotting carcass face. <laughs> I think so. Well, but they use that a lot, though, in this movie. Um, <clears throat> like, there's really, I guess, all of it. Anytime you see a character that looks like they've gone from young to old, or if they're supposed to be a corpse, they really just used a lot of shadowing, a lot of rouge, a lot of dark eye makeup. Um, I think that later in the movie, when we see um, Asa's lover, what was his name again? Boris Yeltsin. Yavudo. Yavudo. Oh, Yavudo. Yeah. <laughs> when we see Yavudo later, I think I really am pretty sure his face was just like a total mask <laughs> well yeah because they had the mask of satan on his face and then when that came off it looked like they had just stuck it on with honey so he had honey all over his face at one point i think barbara Steele had some really tiny prosthetic like boils on her face oh, but, all, yeah. but all the rest of it was like come here come here let me see you give me your face we're just going to rub a fucking charcoal briquette right here around your mouth so right. it's really dark, and then I want you to tilt your face up into the light so that it looks even darker, and you'll look really old and gross. It's amazing. <laughs> That's how it works. It's just all fucking match light. You know, this movie borrows a lot from the German expressionist flicks of the 1920s. You don't, we, we don't watch a whole lot of black and white horror, and it is to our shame don't. and our detriment that we do not. But um, the lighting in this film, along with trying to make the makeup effects work, the lighting is very important in this film. So there's a lot of shadow play. There's a lot of just things coming out of complete darkness into light. Um, very well directed. I can't bitch about the direction at all. But you can absolutely um, watch Black Sunday back-to-back -back with, say, Nosferatu or The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari um, and not really get too much of a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. Lots of intricacies in the set design and similarities. The jagged trees, lightning strikes. That's you. You can kind of see where Baba got his inspiration, and it's it's fun to watch that translate from the German film culture into the Italian film <clears throat> culture, which is a lot more operatic. I think mm -hmm. um, there's a lot more. Uh, I don't want to say melodrama, but that's the word I'm thinking of. When I think Italian film, I think expansive arm gestures. So <laughs> there's there are a lot of, you know, expansive arm gestures. Like it's Christmas morning and your grandmother wants a hug and you're like terrified of her. And she's like coming at you with her big saggy tits and she's just <laughs> waiting for you to like just bury your face in between them in a completely non-sexual way. But it's terrifying at the same time. That's a lot of Black Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, well, and like those films, too, we had talked about this before, it's it's a very slow build-up. Um, and the, I mean, I fell in love with this movie the first time that I watched it. 
Um, but it is one of those you could get up, go make yourself a cup of tea, come back and not really have missed too much in yeah. the story or the plot. It just moves really, really slow. It takes its time. Um, but like you said, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. And um, it's it's more like a, a rolling piece of art than anything else. Now I talk. I, I I get really pissed off when I think that scripts haven't done their homework as far as witchcraft or Satanism, something like that. I get really kind of irritated at <laughs> Hollywood magic. But you were doing like a lot of study on the the symbolism in this film and the symbology, which I don't even know if that's a word, but I use it all the fucking time. <laughs> well, I don't know about a lot of research, but there are things, especially when it becomes a recurring pattern, that catch my attention. And this this movie or this story is really particularly heavily steeped in um, Catholicism. And, um, you know, of course, we had the Cross of Lorraine that was on Asa's grave, which you, we had already talked about. Um, she was actually entombed on St. George's Day. And St. George was the dragon slayer, which, you know, the, the dragon is, is kind of a parallel, another symbol for Satan. Um, so you've got, you know, um, assistant what's his face taking that icon from her grave of St. George and taking him, him, taking it with him, essentially carrying that protection with him. Um, and so after, after they leave there, you know, they go to, um, Asa's and Katya's family home and you see, it's it's a big castle, <laughs> and they've got all these giant tapestries and whatnot hanging around with with pictures of their ancestors. You know, um, Asa and Javuto are there, and behind the fireplace, interesting interestingly enough, if I can say this, it's it's a really massive you know old fireplace. You could literally stand in the thing if you bent over. You could build but, a fire um, in it. Yeah, <laughs> a really big fire. <laughs> But behind, you know, the back panel of that fireplace is this ornate dragon. And that panel actually turns out to be a secret passageway that leads down into the bowels of the castle and even out into the um, the old church where Asa's body was entombed originally. So and and then um as we learn later in the film when um uh Javuto rises from the grave with the help of Dr. Kavorkian, ironically enough um <laughs> <laughs> the the whole plot leads up to trying to resurrect Asa and it comes to a culmination on St. George's Day you know, 200 years later. So those kinds of things always catch my attention. And um, it was an interesting kind of continuing thread that pulled me through the storyline also. And then, of course, you have the main struggle, which is also wanting to be reborn and be young again. And Katya being her, I don't know, clone. Right. Like, <laughs> do cloning. Um So Asa's trying to suck the lifeblood out of everybody she meets, including Katya, so that she could be young and beautiful and carry out her vengeance against the people who set her on fire. (laughs) Um, And that's really the main thrust of the film. And like Cody said, it's a slow burn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a real slow burn. (laughs) Um, But again, it's beautiful to look at. Mm Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, um, it, the the culmination of the story does does come to that point where Asa is feeding off of Katya's lifeblood and and trying to become resurrected. And Assistant Andre, of course, comes rushing in at the last moment with the um, you know the the angry mob townsfolk with their pitchforks and their torches, and ends up saving Katya's life. And uh, it does have a, a happy ending. So. But I think in this story that was that was kind of inevitable and expected, but it was it was still sweet. And I enjoyed it. I'm glad that you did. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of showing my hand here, but we should really discuss that after <laughs> after, <laughs> after our break. Okay. Well, is there are there any other points you want to bake bake? Do you want to bake anything about this I, movie? I would love to be baked right now, but you would li- hopefully yeah. that's not happening. It's not happening. Um, so yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, <laughs> that's it for now for Mario Bava's Black Sunday, which is a great example of the early Italian horror revival and certainly a work of splatter art. So when we come back, we'll ask the world-famous three questions, we'll drink with the devil, and we'll pull out some unholy letters for Ask the Goat. Just stay alive. We'll find you after this break. Howdy, folks. Got blood, violence, freaks, you come to the right place. My name is Gary, and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better, and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One... Never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Seven Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. I'm Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal. And for the past 40 years, in between barbecuing oxen and roasting boar for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Doctor Action and the Kick-Ass Kid commentaries. Ain't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Doctor Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick-Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a bat. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppies. But usually, you can find us both watching 80s, 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Doctor Action Kick-Ass. You can find us on our main page, which is DoctorActionKickass.blogspot.com. You can also find us on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic, and where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. We are back for the attack, and it is time for America's favorite game, Three Questions.
question one is, is this truly a witch movie? Nope. No? No. Why not? It's a vampire movie. What? She's a vampire. Asa's a vampire, and there are people getting bit on the neck. Well, yeah, but she's feeding off of their life blood to come back to... Okay, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) She was burned for being a witch. She was burned for being a witch, but she was... She she was also a vampire. It's kind of like being a witch, but then you sell Avon on the side. Oh, so she was a witch pyre. She was a witch pyre, and also, as we can tell from her makeup, a Mary Kay representative. And a good one. A good one. She would love to come to your castle for a skincare class. I would be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> they're not parties anymore. They're classes. <laughs> what do you think? Is this a witch movie? Yeah. Well, no, not now that you made those points. <laughs> so she's a witch pyre. Yeah, there wasn't really much in the way of witchcraft going on, was there? No, there wasn't. Yeah. I, no. th- I didn't think you could burn a vampire at the stake and have that be effective. Well, they ended up not burning her, though. I said that, but they ended up not burning her because they just well, broke right. the, the Iron Maiden mask into her face and put her in the tomb and you know g- put the cross of Lorraine to guard her for all eternity yeah and the icon of St. George it still seems like somebody fucked up that basic instruction how to kill a vampire you know yeah put, right they put totally this, fucked that up put this face on her face and that should take care of it well no there's more to it than that well and one bit too that we didn't talk about before that really ties into your whole vampire point is when Dr. Kevorkian and assistant Andre were in the tomb initially and he went all batshit crazy trying to kill Batzilla and like completely destroyed the place when he reached into her coffin to um, pull off the mask he actually cut himself on a piece of the glass that was on the window and several drips of blood fell from his hand Onto her face, and that was how she was revived, not just the fact that they removed the Iron Maiden mask. Thus began the reanimation process for a vampire. You're right. Not a witch movie. All right. Question number two. On a scale of one to six, how many devil horns would you give Black Friday? I liked it way more than you did. I know this. Um, I would give it a three and a half. Uh, would that be the pinky finger sticking up for the half? Is that how that... <laughs> Just three and a pink? Three and a pink. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I like that. Three and a pink, one in the... Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it one devil horn. I really will. And I hate saying that because it makes me sound like I have no credibility whatsoever like i don't understand my history and i do i really have a firm grasp and understanding of my horror film history i just can't get into this movie (laughs) (laughs) all right well let's let's roll that into question three then yeah why should our listeners watch this movie or shouldn't they i'll let you go first you should watch this movie because it is an important film with it being baba's first film and arguably his best film arguably his most overtly artistic film. Yeah, you should absolutely watch it. However, I will say this. 
I watched the movie six times because I fell asleep during it five times. <laughs> Could not stay awake through this fucking movie. Wanted to real bad. Felt like a horrible human being that I just couldn't. I couldn't do it, y'all. Uh, it's a, it's it's a slow burn. It really is. I mean, it, you can take a decent burrito shit during this movie, <laughs> come back to it, and not have missed a whole hell of a lot. So it's <clears throat> there's not a whole lot of exciting action. There's not a whole lot of intense drama. It is kind of prolonged. And they they make you suffer for their art. <laughs> <laughs> but it a- is it's beautiful and it just it it for me it invokes that nostalgia of being a kid and not being able to not being allowed to watch modern horror movies, but somehow the older black and white movies were okay. So I could watch those. And they were beautiful to me and they were scary because, you know, I hadn't been exposed to anything more graphic or more intense. And um, I really liked it. I really did. Like I said, it is a slow burn, but I I recommend it. I think you should watch it. Absolutely. I think you should watch it, but I can't guarantee that you'll enjoy it. (laughs) That's fair. And I'm not like an ADD kid or anything. I'm not like. You know, I I don't have a hard time focusing. And maybe that was my problem. Maybe I focused so much on it that I actually lulled myself into sleep. Yeah, that's possible. (laughs) Five five times I did that. Well, whether you're drinking blood like Asa or vodka like us, or the liquefied brains of your greatest nemesis directly from his or her skullcap, You'll get all their power and knowledge. Drinking can certainly make some movies fun, and even more importantly, especially in this case for me, it can make them tolerable. So if you're inclined to imbibe, then you can play along with us. It's time for Drinking with the Devil. Ah, Here we go. Drink every time Asa gets all bug-eyed and shit. (laughs) Drink every time Katya shrieks. (laughs) Drink whenever you see the devil's mask. Drink whenever someone mentions Latveria. Moldavia. Whatever. The place where they are. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, the Grand Master Challenge. Drink whatever someone says Dr. Kruvajan's name. I still say it sounds like Dr. Crustacean. Uh, There are a lot of Dr. Crustaceans in Latveria. Remember, we do not endorse or condone alcohol abuse or underage drinking. However, they have always always worked worked for for us. us. Thank you, Dr. Thompson. Now it's time for people power. Thank you, Johnny Ace. It's time for... Ask the goat. Cussing your love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker. You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker. You receive a love letter from me. You're fucked forever. So let's rummage around in the unholy mailbag and pull out some postcards from the edge. Oh, rummage, 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 rummage. <laughs> Here's one from James Cox. Uh, James runs both the Who Filmed This Shit and the Who Wrote This Shit podcasts. James <laughs> wants to know, how close do you two think the South Park Satan is to the real thing? Oh, God, I hope it's dead on. I, I kind of think the South Park Satan has a better singing voice. 
<laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> Although I don't know. I mean, Satan did used to be an angel after all. Oh, that's true. Oh, you would shit. think he had a heavenly angel. Shit, you're totally right about that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's a good call. Okay, you know, yeah. Yeah, maybe he's just like dead on. Yeah, maybe that yeah. whole gay thing was part of the reason he and God fought and he got kicked out. It could, I don't know. Could be. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Such speculation. I enjoy. Um, <laughs> so Jerry Esposito asks, what do you feel is the best score in a devil movie? My vote is for The Omen. The Omen's really good, man. Mm-hmm. The Omen's good. It's got that Ave Satani theme that Jerry Goldsmith wrote. And like Jerry actually put in his <laughs> question, uh, when you hear the dog panting, it's not really the dog panting. It's a choir actually whispering Antichristo. So there's a lot of subliminal Latin in The Omen score that kind of builds up that that tension and holds that fear effect. Yeah, it's chilling. Still probably not my favorite, man. Mm-hmm. I love the score from Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Uh, the whole la, 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 la thing that Mia Farrow does at the beginning and the end freaks yeah. me out. That's just kind of brackish and unnerving, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I also really like the score from Race with the Devil. Um, it's just weird and discordant and just nice and tense for kind of a Satan-y action movie, which Race with the Devil is. So I like that. I like that a lot, too. Nice. I don't really have an opinion there. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. So there you go. I like The Omen, Rosemary's Baby, and Race with the Devil. Now, of course, we can't get through a a section of Ask the Goat without a question from Sin. Uh, Cindy Fallon asks, if my date dies during the date, does that mean my date has to end, or can I just continue? Well, I'd say that's up to you, Sin. I've seen Necromantic. I know it can be done. How freaky you want to get, girl. Man. (laughs) Have at. (laughs) Well, finally, Megan Maggot has presented us with a real poser. Megan asks, do you think that the cultural climate of the Southeast has had an impact on your attraction to devil movies? And if so, why? Ooh. Yeah. That's all that's, scholarly and shit. That's an intense question. It is. <clears throat> you want to you go first on this one? Well, I think that probably for me, the answer is absolutely hell yes. Um, being raised in the environment that, that I was raised in, um, Fear of Satan and of eternal damnation was so palpable and so real. The devil was behind everything in your life that was bad and potentially behind some things that seemed good on the surface. And as an adult, you know, over many years of trying to climb out from underneath that, (laughs) um, I have realized that that. Part of my attraction to horror movies in general is wanting to face and explore that fear and to literally push my own buttons to figure out what it is that's so terrifying and to figure out if I can face that and overcome it and deal with it without it being a ghost in my head, you know, that haunts me in the middle of the night in my dreams. And the devil is is probably one of the biggest fears that is is still ingrained in me from childhood. So, I mean, that's why exorcism films are, are still to this day just so terrifying to me. 
on just this this really base level. So um, I can't speak as to to how families raise kids in other parts of the country very much because I haven't I haven't had a lot of interaction with with that. But I know that my raising is very typical of the southeast and and that's pretty much across the board here. So, yeah, absolutely for me had a big impact. It had a big impact on me, too, for a different reason. Um, I don't know, not too much of a different reason, but... Yeah, whatever, Mr. Shout at the Devil. Hey, now. <laughs> See, now, and and that's, it's fine if you want to reference that, but that's fine. Yeah, I Shout at the Devil, that Motley Crue album, scared the shit out of me back in 1984 when it came out. Mm-hmm. But then two years later, once... I had a change of mind and a change of heart. I was like, oh, you shout at me. Shout at me, motherfucker. I'm the <laughs> devil. I am the devil. And I went from trying to be the finest Christian on the block to wondering how many people I could corrupt and how fast. And what could I do to make them break? That sounds just shitty. That just sounds like I'm a horrible human being. Maybe I am. I can't judge that. <laughs> Shit. But watching devil movies and seeing that, having been through a Christian upbringing, first of all, I was like, okay, the devil corruption, uh, that's kind of cool, ha, ha, ha. Uh, come here, virgin girl, let's see how far I can push you until you cry. Um, <laughs> but the second thing was, I never understood why Christians were so afraid of devil movies, because by their own belief system when jesus rose on the third day he conquered hell and the devil he conquered death and hell so satan is really no longer a threat to you if you believe in jesus why are you afraid Mm -hmm. why are these not comedies to you (laughs) why are you not watching this shit like it's the fucking three amigos why are you why are you so scared of devil rock and devil movies when your enemy has been defeated obviously you don't believe what you're telling me you believe and you need to examine that while i go over here and watch the first power so, wow that's so, interesting yeah huh? so there's 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 that more <clears throat> glimpses into the psyche of x and cootie <laughs> <laughs> y'all love it well we do love answering your questions on the show it really is one of my favorite parts of doing the show personally so fuck, keep those cards and letters and emails coming, everybody. You can you can drop us a line at our evil email address, which is thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. Or you can ask us anything you want at our Facebook group page, which you can find at facebook.com slash groups slash kiss the goat. We're on there a lot. I mean, you know, we're not some kind of absentee landlords. In fact, that group is probably the best way to reach us and communicate with all the other acolytes who listen to the show. We've got some of the best fans on the Internet. We really do. And we are glad for each and every one of them. We're also glad to be the exclusive presentation of the Horophilia Network of Horror Podcasts. And as always, all hail Jason Lloyd, our benevolent overlord, for giving us a home and putting up with our shit. Hell yes, Jason is the one responsible for getting our show on iTunes, but you guys are the ones responsible for making sure we get a metric boatload of shiny five-star reviews. You can find us on iTunes under the Horophilia Network, and by all means, say nice things and help us get noticed. 
This circle is cast wide, and we want everyone to come in and play. Finally, thank all y'all, our loyal listeners and acolytes, for your support and your willingness to not only spread the word, but to spend a few minutes of your finite mortal lives with us. We'll quit doing it when you quit laughing. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Kiss the Goat. We'll wind up our season of The Witch next time around with a groovy movie from the early 70s, so be sure to catch us next time we pop up. Hell, just go ahead and subscribe. That way you'll always have the latest episodes ready to listen to whenever we can be hard to produce one. Uh, until next time, my name is Heck. And I'm Cootie. Hail Satan. suicide um can't believe you did not pick up on that okay did you say rolling suicide yes that's what he says before chop suey i just made a big system of the down reference and you didn't even catch it sorry it's okay i'll have more to drink <laughs> i think that's probably a good idea because you don't have to be at work until later so yay 330 yay 330 all right all right five <clears throat> Four, three. Coming up, steaks, spikes, and hot makeup tips from the 1600s. I already fucked that up. <laughs> hot what tips? Hot makeup ticks. ticks. <laughs> mm. Makeup ticks. <laughs> also, feminine hygiene leeches. Um. Ooh. It's the hot new thing. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Leeches, you're already bleeding. <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> All right, five, four, three.